This is Not Your Average Bucket List by Only In Your State, a podcast about exploring the hidden gems right in your own backyard. Hey everyone, welcome to Not Your Average Bucket List. We are on season two, Local Lore and Legends. Today, we have an exclusive interview with Heather of Small Town Monsters. Heather, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So just to like preface, why don't you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the cryptid community and maybe your own origin story into all things cryptid? (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I am a producer and researcher for Small Town Monsters. Uh, We make cryptid documentaries. Um, I guess not just cryptids. We talk about UFOs a little bit too, but uh, focus on the effects of these particular stories on the community as long as well as the history behind the stories. And then of course, uh, told through eyewitness words, uh, primarily. So, um, I am a writer as well. I have a couple articles out in, I have one in volume one of the feminine macabre, which is an all female journal. Um, and one in volume three, and then another one coming out in volume five. Uh, let's see. I had a podcast, which we're hoping to get restarted again soon, called The Lore You Know. Uh, You know, like, the more you know, you remember? The lore you know, but with a UFO over the the phrase uh, (laughs) where I would interview just really awesome people that are collecting folklore uh, because Mm -hmm. I find that incredibly inspiring and important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what I do right now. Um, as far as my origin story, I mean, I don't know how many people are familiar with Carrollton, Ohio, um, in Carroll County. I I definitely am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This, uh, super small, um, but where, where I grew up, I mean, there were always stories about Bigfoot around and and it's not that far from Minerva, which is the famous Minerva monster sighting, um, which I actually didn't grow up knowing about the Minerva monster that was later after finding out about small town monsters that I paid attention yeah. to that. But uh, Bigfoot was not a stranger as far as that goes for the way that I was raised. And uh, obviously unsolved mysteries brought mm. me into the fold with weirdness. Absolutely. And I just, yeah, I've kind of always been there since then. So unsolved mysteries got me started. And uh, I don't know, my, my parents being pretty open about odd things like not shutting that idea down I think was also key and then I went off to college and studied classical studies Latin literature things like that Hmm. mythology was my favorite when it came to all of that stuff and then when I graduated did the adjunct thing for a while and then small town monsters came along and it all kind of meshed together because I was already doing research on um, cursed objects Hmm. and that fit well with the bell witch that they were getting ready to uh, film. So Mm. that's kind of how that all panned out there. Very cool. Yeah. We have a large scope of knowledge and experience. That's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) So we're going to dive into just some uh, lightning questions just to, Oh, Yes. Yeah. Just uh, so I tried to uh, think outside the box for these. So no pressure or anything. You don't have to rush through them. But okay. Okay. 
we're going to start off with an easy one. Out of all the cryptids that you've researched, which one do you believe is most likely to be real? Bigfoot. Yeah. Would most likely be real. Yeah. Okay. Sasquatch. Any reason why in particular? (laughs) Aside from personal experience here at the the house, um, which I haven't had any sightings here, but Seth has when we were filming here um, a little over a year ago. We actually filmed a YouTube series here where I live called The Bigfoot Project. And Seth had a sighting while we were filming. I unfortunately was not with him at the time um, because I was back in the house watching the kids. But um, anyway, I still had things happen. That was the whole reason Seth was out here was there was activity occurring. Um, So I've heard them run around. Uh, They've thrown rocks. They've, I guess you would call it gifting, but it wasn't an intentional gifting situation um, in that. When we first moved here, I had gone out in the woods and I hid, like I collect crystals and rocks and things like that. Uh, My desk is just full of them from all over. And uh, when we first moved here, I took a handful of crystals and I went and I hid them through the woods because I thought when my kids get older, they'll just come across them and how cool will that be to find, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So after some activity had started, I, I just went out to check where all my crystals were to look at them again and see what ones I hadn't put out yet. And um, one of them was gone, and in its place was a vertebrae. I'm guessing it's a deer vertebrae. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So they're like big crows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big yeah. And uh, I took it. I picked it up and um, called Seth, and then he immediately was like, why did you pick it up? There could have been, like, DNA on it. Like, you should have. Uh, oh, but um, anyway, they eventually brought that crystal back. It was about a month later, and they put it back in the same spot, but it was all muddy. Um, it's just weird. But anyway, wow. so I would say that just because of personal experiences, the sheer number of accounts, and I guess if you want to look at biologically, what would be probably the most likely right? Yeah. that over something like – and I'm not saying that any of the cryptids are, are not real in some capacity, but like sure. – um, I don't know, Mothman or something like, right. uh, yeah, this winged humanoid. I'm not saying that those don't exist because I believe that people have seen something. Um, yeah. right. but when we just go from a purely scientific standpoint to me, like a, an ape in the woods makes right. a lot more sense. So absolutely. Yeah. So one question. So living, you know, in the foothills of Appalachia, having sightings, yeah. having activity, do you have house rules like kids, uh, you know, <laughs> get inside by a certain hour, don't leave, you know, food outside? What's the, what are the rules? Uh, well, the only rule about food outside is, um, you know, bring the cat food in so that the possums and the raccoons don't <laughs> eat it and then tear things yeah, apart. But um, <laughs> when it comes to other rules of being outside, there really aren't any other than, I mean, if, if you feel like something isn't safe, like if you suddenly get this overwhelming feeling that I'm not okay, you know, listen to that. Yeah. Come home. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, so yep. don't be afraid to be silly and just run back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They haven't really had any issues. Now, if we had like, we do have coyotes everywhere, but they don't really come out to the evening. And usually by dark, the kids aren't out anyway. Yeah. Um. Or if they are, 
I'm with them. But if we had, I mean, like if I was aware that there was a a bear in the area, which is completely feasible, then maybe I'd be a little more concerned. But I also think with something like, (sighs) if Bigfoot is going to hang around and he wanted to do something, I feel like he would have already done it. I just don't, I don't feel like we're going to, he's going to hang out for like three years and then all of a sudden snatch up one of the kids like this, mm. that was the perfect time. I got him feeling comfortable. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that. Oh, you're braver than I am. Like usually, I don't mind that kind of stuff. But if I'm, you know, out in the country and I know there's a large animal around, especially something maybe that's Bigfoot, I don't think I would be leisurely strolling at dusk through the Same. woods. So. <laughs> Same. Most no. of the stuff that you're going to see here at dusk when you stroll around, though, are just deer that you scare and kick up and. Um, Look, deer, I almost hit two today already. So it's, you know, (laughs) just too many. No, I feel like we we also talked about that when we were for our New Jersey episode, the Jersey Devil, Mm -hmm. which Sarah sent me this link to an Airbnb in the Pine Barrens that she, and I was like, no, I would never stay there. Why would this? No, absolutely not. Well, yeah. I, okay. I wouldn't go to the Pine Barrens by myself and stay somewhere. Um, I, we went to the Pine Barrens last summer. It was very quick, a very quick drive to wrap up our Jersey devil dock. Um, and we drove through the Pine Barrens a little bit and it really, it's so massive. And yeah. So isolated. Yeah. And if it's true, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that this is true, that, you know, if people just end up murdered out there or it's a great place to take people out to kill them, it makes sense because mm, right. it's so huge. There's no way that they could constantly be patrolling that area. Um, right. But here at home, I'm familiar with the woods here. So yes. that's, right. that's fine. But um, I'm not going to go out like we're getting ready to go to British Columbia. You're not going to catch me mm-hmm. out in the woods there by myself yeah. or when yeah. we went to Alaska, that wasn't happening because I had oh, no desire to be not. Yeah. <laughs> taken by a yeah. bear or mountain lion or anything right. like yeah. that. There's no, it's not just the cryptids or creatures. It's yeah, legitimately yeah. bear or people or hunters out. Right. You know, that's just, Oh, the people yep. scare me the most. If I, if I were to go out here in the woods yep. and we've got like, uh, or, there's around 300 acres around here. If I were to go in the woods and there's oh, another yeah. human, I want to like, I know what I'm doing. I don't like that. What are they doing? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yes. you're, I'm usually alone. If you're here, why? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a, some, I grew up in the country and we had some acreage and my grandpa would allow uh, hunters to come set up blinds and things, but sometimes they wouldn't follow the rules. They wouldn't let us know. And they would just be in the woods in their little shacks. And no, I don't like that. <laughs> nope. Not for me. That's way too scary. Um, so Okay, if you had to be a cryptid for a year, which one would you choose? <laughs> a cryptid for a year. Okay. Hmm. Well, shoot. That's a very interesting question. I... <sighs> Do you go with the one, like, one that you could just terrify people for fun? Interesting. Um, I don't know. Like, I... <clears throat> I don't know if I'd want to be a cryptid, although it might not be so bad because you're not going to be found. So it'd be a year off from. (laughs) I love this logic. (laughs) It'd be a year off from responsibilities and, you know, people. So I, I don't know, I guess. 
I don't know. That's so different than like, what's your favorite cryptid? Because I'd be like, oh, my favorite cryptid is whatever, but I don't want to be that cryptid. Um, I have no idea. I have never considered that. I'd rather be like a ghost or something, I think, than a cryptid. That would be cool. What about you, Sarah? Oh, man. Are there any that can just like, you know, that have abilities to turn things into gold or like, how can I bank on this in my year of relaxation? Right. Uh, yeah, true. I'm not really sure. Something. I want to fly. Maybe something flying. That's what I was I, thinking. Like ha- something yeah. with wings for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could be Mothman screech at people. Just like, That's true. you know, fly around. You I don't want to be like a bird or doom though. So, you know. Well, they're not always. See, that's the thing with Mothman. He isn't always a harbinger of doom. So you could you could be Mothman and change the yeah. narrative. That's true. Interesting. Mothman 2.0. Just gotta. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Marissa? Anything top of mind? I would. Yeah, I would definitely fly. I would definitely love to be some sort of uh, lake creature or ocean creature so that I can be just swimming all day and maybe see the depths of the ocean that most humans can't reach. That could oh, be cool. terrifying. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Sarah, I love how we're on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of fear. Like <laughs> you walk into like underground tunnels and stuff for fun. And I'm just like, no, what? Yeah, and you just no the bottom of the ocean where everything's like a ghostly white blob and mysterious creatures. I don't yeah. think so. But what if you're the mysterious creature? I I can still have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't cure that. <laughs> okay, so this one might be even harder. But if you could choose to create your own cryptid, what combinations would you choose? Okay, <clears throat> creating my own cryptid. So it would be, uh, it would be cool to have one that is like a Wendigo because it's terrifying. It's absolutely that, terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a cool aspect of any cryptid, just one that's completely shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say a cross between like a Wendigo and, uh, I mean, the Jersey Devil flies, so that's also adding an extra element. I don't like things that fly, that, like, freaks me out. Like, butterflies actually freak me out. No. They do. (laughs) They do. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, I went to a butterfly house in Alliance at Beach Creek or whatever, and it was a nightmare. Oh no! (laughs) Anyway, so that I don't think I've ever heard that sentence in my life. (laughs) Butterflies, terrifying. They are. Because you can't predict their movements. Are they too fluttery? This because they get too close to my face. They can be Uh, around my face, and that freaks mm -hmm. me out. That's why spiders. I'm scared of spiders, but I'm absolutely terrified if they are at eye level or above because they could fall my. Oh yeah. Mm. Yep. So I think that that's it. But so a a wendigo with wings. So you got the hooves, the horns, and the wings. So maybe that is kind of like the Jersey Devil. Maybe the Jersey Devil yeah. just is the ultimate cryptid. I don't Interesting. <laughs> it's okay. So we were, when we were talking about the Jersey Devil, we were like hearing mixed results that people are saying it's he's either three to four feet tall or six feet tall. Do you do you have any like do you want to weigh in on that? Do you have any I've always envisioned him in the smaller the smaller realm. 
Um, yeah, just a little guy. Yeah, because <laughs> just a, just a little guy. Because yeah. I mean, if you think about some of the origin story, the idea is he's born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's going to be little anyway. So what is that? And he morphs into a six foot tall. He just ages maybe and yeah. grows up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That sounds. I just always envision him as a smaller creature. Yeah. Um, but I also, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Smaller. I'm going with smaller. As far as the reports that I have read from, especially at the early 1900s, I don't recall anything like being, a, them really mentioning a massive stature in it. So yeah. I would still go with the smaller version then, because if he was bigger, that would certainly be something they'd add to their report. Yeah. That makes just sense. Think if he had butterfly wings, whew, just, oh man, what a nightmare! <laughs> what a nightmare! Um, this is a revelation. I feel like I'm never going to look at butterflies the same. <laughs> okay, so final question: uh, Do you have a favorite cryptid origin story? So lately, I've really been into the uh, looking into Goatman stories hmm. but goat man as an entity has a ton of different origin stories so it's hard to just pin down one um could you give you know us and our listeners a just a quick synopsis of who and what is goat man in the goat man stories? so goat man there's there's goat man stories all over the united states as far as that goes um there's one in maryland uh I think the most famous one for where we are is uh, the Popelick monster down in Kentucky, right outside mm. of Louisville. Yep. Um, yeah. He is on the train trestle. Um, I say, and I haven't heard anybody argue against it, that he's the most like dangerous cryptid, uh, the one with wow. the highest body mm-hmm. count. Um, mm. oh, and wow. I say that because legend trippers go up to the train trestle looking for him. And the Pope Lick train trestle has no sides to it. Um, and it's massive across a creek. And many people have died because it's an mm. active train trestle. Um, oh, once wow. you're up there, you have yeah. nowhere to go. So when I was there yeah. a couple years ago, there actually was a memorial for, uh, I think she was only 16. She and oh, no. a couple friends had gone up for just for fun. Um, and the train came and they couldn't get off the bridge. <clears throat> oh, God, that's awful. Um, yeah. So anyway, but there's that. Um, and then in Denton, Texas, or Alton, Texas, I should say. No, wait, Denton, Texas, it's the old Alton Bridge. There's a goat man there. But the stories range from, I mean, it's, it's the idea of, like, if you think of Pan, what Pan looks like, mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. Pan, half Seder, goat-ish, that's goat man. Except goat man is different from Pan in that he's usually murderous and maybe has an axe or something that he's coming after you. He's very nasty. Um yeah. But the origin stories vary from something like uh, the one in Texas has a story about a, a guy that was like a goat farmer um, and the KKK had hung him or tried to kill him or something. And then this so this morphs into this legend of he comes back as a goat man. Um, there's mm-hmm. stories about like circus freaks that uh, mm-hmm. train derailed and then it got loose. Um, like mm-hmm. that's around Poplick. Um Or other means of men having relations with animals and then we have this hybrid. So, Mm, yeah. um, But as far as like, I mean, 
because this is difficult in that all of the cryptids except in my mind, the Jersey devil, at least what's immediately coming to mind. All of the cryptids have multiple stories Mm. like in, in sightings. So the stories can vary as to how they came about the Jersey devil. I guess it's kind of convoluted, but it's still the same story sort of at its heart that it was this creature that was born and came about where like Goatman, like I said, has that, um, Wendigos again, interesting story because they come from, uh, you know, a human that could not refrain from cannibalism. So, but I wouldn't categorize that as my favorite story either. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that, that is tough. Cause I can't think of like of the origin stories that I've heard one where I'm like, Oh, that's really endearing. So it sticks with me. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, no love stories there that I can think of. Um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, um, the Wendigo and Skinwalkers, those really stand out to me in terms of how terrifying they are because just that malevolent sort of reputation that they have and how yeah. people, you know, have so many sightings and the sightings are linked with either disappearances or attacks or being chased. Like that is, Yep. Uh, they seem aggressive. <laughs> um, yes. So I don't like that. Yeah, exactly. Those are the cryptids that um, if you could even put them in a cryptid category that um, you don't hear good stories. You don't mm. hear good things about them. Yeah. So. So in, in terms of cryptids within the United States, there are mm. all there are so many big ones, right? They're the ones that we talked about and that have sightings across the each state. But what I'm curious is about how do you feel about these like hyper local cryptids? So ones that just, you know, affect one town or there's just like a, a small culture around it and how they just grow. Um, do you feel like it's more of just like urban legends that people tell each other? Do you think people are actually spotting these like little unknown cryptids? Like, how do you feel about those, you know, smaller tier ones? Um, so those ones are my favorite because yeah. they're unique. They have their own their own lore associated with them that it's not as widespread. That that kind of stuff is where my interest really is to, to find the, the lesser known cryptids. But when you start looking at a broader scope of the lesser known cryptids, there's usually a pattern somewhere. Um, it's not like the Dover Demon, for example, was seen over a very short period of time. But if you look at lore that precedes white settlers, there's lore mm-hmm. of creatures that resemble the Dover demon um, that would be around waterways, which is where, I mean, that wasn't far from a waterway and things like that. So none of these really, I mean, there are some really, I was just talking with, okay, I was talking with a fellow researcher out of Pennsylvania recently about Veggie Man, which Veggie Man, oh. West Virginia okay. cryptid, Okay. Um, very, uh, he was, he's a one shot deal. As far as I know, he was seen, he was more like an alien type entity, um, that, uh, attached himself. There was a hunter out in the woods and he attached himself to him and like sucked the blood out of him with, through his fingers, I believe like sucked up like fingers. And then he left. He didn't kill the guy. He just needed to feed, I guess. Um, but the description that he has, like, if you look up the veggie man now, uh, like go to Etsy or something and type it in. You're going to find cute drawings of this thing. That's like made of vegetables. 
That's exactly um, what came to mind. I'm like, yeah. a vegetable. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fine. Like, it, it's cute and, and it works. And that's what he's seen as now. But if you go to the original sightings, he doesn't really look like that. Um, he isn't my area of study, but my friend that I'm, I've been talking to in PA has been studying him pretty heavily. And he has noticed a correlation between the veggie man and um, different type of like, uh, I want to say like fae, but larger fae mm. um, overseas. So even with something that is a one-off thing here and is pretty unique to us, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist somewhere else. They just yeah. have a different name for it. Mm. Um, yes. So that's kind of like, I mean, <clears throat> squonk. If you've looked into squonk at all, have you heard of it? You just yeah, laugh. like squonk. I, I haven't. <laughs> okay. So squonk is this little, like, I keep looking around like I could just pull up a picture of him or something. It's very possible, but I don't have. I don't have a book. I can always superimpose some pictures of these okay. for the edit. So okay. some references. Yeah. <laughs> well, squonk is like this pig looking thing with saggy skin and um, he's crying all the time. And he oh, lives no. in, the, yes, he lives in the woods in PA. Um, and uh, as far as I'm aware, only there. And he cries all the time because he's ugly. You, you know that he's around because you'll find puddles of water when it hasn't been raining or anything. And if you follow the puddles, you'll find him. If he knows that he's been seen, he just cries until he dissolves because he's just so sad oh. that he was seen because he's so ugly. I just want to hug this little guy. Like, right. right. Yeah. I don't want him to dissolve into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So Squonk is one that I think the original story that was published was like the early 1900s that he was in a book. It was about the lumber woods in PA and uh, just a very localized thing. But then what I've watched over the last two or three years is he started to get talked about in the cryptid community a little bit more to where uh, my friend Lisa Russell, who runs um, cryptid comforts, she does like stuffed. Uh, I do have one of her things. Right here. This is the little Van Meter visitor. She makes Aww. little plushies of different cryptids. Um, That's great. She, she got attached to the squonk and wrote a little children's book about him. And then this fall, she's actually putting on Squonkapalooza in PA. Wow. That's and amazing. Squonk has had this like resurgence a hundred yeah. years later because wow. he caught the attention of someone in the community and they just, you know, ran with it. And so the first Squonkapalooza is this August. I can't remember the exact date right now, but it's in it's in PA. And um, Squonk's going to be everywhere. But yeah, now everybody loves him. They all want to hug him. Everybody yeah. wants to say, oh, buddy, it's okay. Looks don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I, I do love that. It's like a it's like a local state and city pride, you know, like mm -hmm. your area. Who is your cryptid? Who can you like really um, embrace? That's. And I find it fascinating, too, as you mentioned earlier, how across the globe you can find very similar stories and, you know, from t a time whenever we didn't have mass communication and the Internet and ways to talk to each other. But all of these similar things pop up called different things, but it's very coincidental if there isn't like some sort of like causation behind it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that 
when you see those similarities, I always see it as uh, speaking to us as humans and kind of what grabs our attention and always has. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Because even with regional things that are today, a lot of them, you can find shadows of them in historical context as well. So it's not like we just made them up. Um, They've been around for a while. Yeah. We were just talking about that yesterday um, when we were just doing like a quick intro into cryptids in the U.S. And we we're talking about the origins and how just dating back to Egypt uh, and how this one queen was sending people across the Red Sea. They've never explored it before to gather animals that they've never seen. Mm-hmm. And that's how like kind of the, you know, cryptids were, how it came to be in that sense is because they've never seen these animals before. So they, yeah. they found a giraffe, but they called a draft, but they called it a long necked dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like all of these kind of, you know, things that have happened in history that you could, you know, when you go back into it and we were talking a lot about cryptozoology and how fascinating that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drafts in uh, Rome, <clears throat> the, the Latin for it literally is camel leopard. Hmm. <laughs> Very accurate, I would say. Yes. (laughs) Wow, okay. I do think it gives some credence to cryptids as well when you have these stories of us seeing unknown animals and just doing our best to describe them. We could be doing that very same thing right now. There's something that exists. We don't have great evidence, but we know it's there. So we're doing our best using all our little schemas and ideas to point to what it could be. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's what uh, the the ancient Romans used to bring animals from all these exotic territories into the arena for their games, um, and then hunt them. They say that some of <clears throat> some of the animals were hunted to extinction because they just over they were overzealous with bringing them over yeah. to hunt. Hmm. But um, you know, the things that are more. I mean, more common to us that when we have TV access to media and things yeah, um, or zoos, <laughs> mm, <laughs> so we can yeah. see stuff from wherever. Mm. Um, but back then, those were those were monsters. They were. Yeah. Right. Growing um, up, I had a fascination with um, the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger. I was heartbroken mm-hmm. to know it didn't exist. But if you saw it in the wild, it's, you know, it did a, exist, though. It did. But to ex- yeah. think now. And yeah. But if someone saw it, it's a marsupial with a big, you know, mouth with pointy teeth and a striped tail. It's like, okay, that just looks like a chimera of things shoved together, you know? Yeah. Like a platypus is weird. Mm. Absolutely. What is that? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's just a mix of all kinds of stuff. So Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's not. And that's just going purely physical with some of these creatures that are in the cryptid world they take on a more supernatural type element and then all physicality goes out the window anyway, anything that would make sense. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that, the different definitions of cryptids and how some are more um, like spiritual, religious in nature and some are more mythology. Some have like different bases and just like actual, you know, science and genetics of the natural world and how they've just created different sex. Is there ways that you describe these Compared to each other, say like Faye compared to, you know, some of these demons and, you know, spirits and things like that. Yeah. So um, cryptids, I mean, it's like cryptozoology is literally the study of unknown animals. So if you go on a basic 
a very literal sense, it would have to be a physical animal. Yeah. So I would think of something like Bigfoot. I mean, Mothman falls into that, but also when people describe Mothman, they're, they're talking about a humanoid yeah. with wings, which is still an animal. Um, but the fae, <laughs> the, the lines get blurry yeah. because <clears throat> when then when you get into Goatman and Pan, things like that, it, there's an association with the fae. Mm-hmm. So they start crossing boundaries at that point. But when I would, if I were to think of Faye, I would think of not just the little fairies that, you know, Tinkerbell type stuff, but, you know, gnomes. Um, and they're not all small either, but like the Hold of Folk in, in Iceland, like, yeah, they, there's these, they're little human type things. Right. But <clears throat> they don't reveal themselves unless they want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't know how many people accidentally can see a fae um, yeah. without them wanting that to be a, a thing. But I wouldn't put them in the realm of cryptid because I don't know as if you can grab a fae. I don't know if you'd want yeah. to grab a fae. I've <laughs> always heard you don't mess with fae. Yeah. Um, and then demons are another thing. When you get into demons, that one's complicated because what is a demon exactly I feel like by using the term demon, you're already throwing religion into it. Right. Mm. And um, I think that that's tricky because, um, I mean, we can have an idea of what a demon is, but I don't know as if seeing it through a religious lens is necessarily the way that it is. Sure. Um, And then what other things might fall into that category? Yeah. Uh, Because some people would say like the Jersey Devil is like a demon. Mm. But- it's not what we would traditionally think of right now as a demon that might appear. And then Mm -hmm. do they show themselves physically like ghosts and there's different realms of ghosts. You've got the poltergeist, you've got the shadow figures, you've got the doppelgangers. There's just so many sub genres, but, and then that's not even touching on aliens. Mm. So, (laughs) but they're all in the weird. And, And the thing that I cannot understand as a researcher Looking through all the the depths, the broth or the broth, the breadth of weirdness. Another weird thing that this shows us about humans is that we're really good at um, almost like uh, tribalism when it comes to things Hmm. where people will be, okay, Bigfoot exists. I'm 100% positive but there's no way that Mothman could exist Mm. um, because they go straight physical or I believe in UFOs, but I don't believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gets nasty. Like the, the infighting that occurs, there's infighting that occurs even within the communities that believe in the same thing. I've seen it with uh, the most recent one that I've noticed was uh, like the dog man community. When people start talking about dog man, Um, it gets vicious as far as, what people believe and um, you, I'm right and you're wrong and they start bickering with each other. And I don't want to say from the outside, cause I guess I'm in this world, but from just a researching perspective, it's baffling to me why we even bother to, to fight that kind of thing when we, none of us know. <laughs> and yeah. in the larger scheme of things, um, we're such a small piece. It's like, fighting over an anthill or something. It doesn't make any sense, but we do that everywhere. I've seen it in academia uh, when I was there. It was even within the language department. 
Mm-hmm. The modern languages were not fans of Latin and Greek um, because ultimately you're fighting over funding. So, right. you know, well, my language is more important than yours. Spanish is more important than Italian. Let's, you know, let's look at where we live kind of thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. which is more useful. And uh, we turn on each other. And that's no different when it comes to the weird because people are people mm-hmm. and you can't escape that. So going off of that and just a bit of a segue into maybe like the culture around cryptids, because you're right, there's, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of infighting, people get very defensive. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. like you were talking about with Squonk, I think there's some sort of like resurgence of people's interest in the, in the paranormal and cryptids, because I feel like maybe the late 80s, early 90s, there was a, some, some kind of a spike. I feel like people kind of dropped off. And now, again, I'm noticing that there's more and more, you know, cultural fascination with it and events and, you know, just people mm-hmm. just really wanting to embrace this all over again. Do you find that to be yeah. true? Yeah, I've noticed. <clears throat> so when it comes to Bigfoot, and this may be just when I became aware of stuff, I guess, more outside of my own, just because of the age that I was at the time and what was going on in my life. But uh, when Finding Bigfoot came out, that seemed to be a huge resurgence of then interest in Bigfoot. It's not that he ever disappeared. It's just people weren't talking about it as openly. Mm. And the same thing with ghosts. When uh, Ghost Hunters came out, I think I was in high school-ish, middle school, something like that, when Ghost Hunters came out um, with the original Taps crew. And then all of a sudden, scare tourism becomes a thing and they start yep. opening up these buildings for for overnight ghost hunts and now it's exploded mm-hmm. um and communities are using that i think wonderfully as a way to preserve things when it comes to ghost hunting they're preserving these buildings mm-hmm. um these historical buildings that otherwise can't be fixed they can't be saved without a massive amount of money put into them to be used as something else mm-hmm. so they're able to keep them open and keep the history alive and then also add whether you want to or not, this is the nature of the way, the way things are add lore to it as you go. Mm. Um, so it's like creating its own myth as it goes. And when it comes to cryptids, like Squonkapalooza, I think is great just because of <laughs> they're rallying around this cryptid that nobody really talked about prior, prior to a couple years ago. But if you look at something like Mothman festival, that's on, in point pleasant, the sheer number of people that come every year, the injection into the economy Mm. in the local community is massive. And to have that now they have the world's only Mothman museum. They've got the statue with the, you know, the butt that everybody wants to touch. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) like people come from all over to visit point pleasant, West Virginia, but why would they come if not for Mothman? Like if they hadn't, attached to that and really boosted it, I don't know where that town would be right now. Yeah. Um, it might look very similar to any other town that we see along the Ohio River as we're like driving up route, right. what is that, Route 7? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just abandoned. They're just falling, falling apart. But you find a monster and you can get people to also step away from reality for a minute in like our everyday reality that is just pressure and uh, yeah. go, go, go. And for a minute, you can think more like a younger version of yourself. Mm. Um, you can kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit and just be a kid again for a minute. Um, I think that there's a lure to that as well. 
Or if it's something that's scary, people like being scared, but safely mm. knowing that yes, uh, it's the, I mean, haunted houses that you go into uh, around Halloween, you know that you're going to walk right out the other side in 10 minutes. Uh, so let's go for a quick scare right now. Not, I'm not actually in danger. Mm. Right. Um, I think that there's an alert of that as well. And then other people that are interested in like the history and stuff like me, it, it's just a, a deeper dive into who we are as, as people. But yeah, it's almost like a combination of, you know, anthropo anthropology and historical studies, but also this sort of magic that we lose as we start to get older. And like you said, that suspension of disbelief that you can embrace that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I absolutely love seeing, I've never been to Mothman, um, the Mothman festival, but I plan to because got to touch the butt. Um, but also <laughs> I just want to. The shiny hiney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but even, <laughs> even something as local as monster fest coming up, which is, you know, yeah. created, created by small town monsters, correct? Yes. Yeah. So on uh, June 3rd, we are putting on a festival called Monster Fest. Um, and it's, I mean, we'll cover, I mean, the idea of Monster Fest, you're covering all kinds of monsters, which kind of fits with what we do as small town monsters. We have Bigfoot, but we've got Mothman and we've got UFOs and we've got the Jersey Devil and the Bell Witch. Um, <clears throat> Chupacabra is coming. Uh, like we cover a lot of stuff. And basically what Monster Fest is, going to allow which a lot of these festivals do it brings the community together uh this little weird community that we have and we all come together and we support each other mm -hmm. the i'm not saying that there's not drama within the community because <laughs> like earlier i said there is <laughs> yeah but when it comes to things like festivals the sheer amount of kindness that i see is unreal. Hmm. Um, whether it's as simple as when people are setting up, you'll see somebody trying to come in the door and you just run over and open the door for them, even if you don't know who they are, to people going around and just buying a little something from every table um, yeah. or just giving them a compliment, sharing them on social media. The support within the community is unreal. And that is it's something special that I haven't, I haven't really seen as vividly in other arenas. Um, and I don't know if that's just because we all know we're weird and we've all been used to um, being outcasts in certain ways. And so now all these misfits are together <laughs> um, or, or what, but uh, yeah, at monster fest, we're going to have like the vendors, uh, a lot of vendors. We're going to have speakers um, the night before at Camp Palace theater. We're going to premiere, on the trail of Bigfoot land of the missing, which is focused around uh, Sasquatch stories coming out of Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, we've got lots of special guests that are coming as well. And I'm trying to think, Oh, we have a live podcast recording room that's going to be going on. It's going to be a lot of moving pieces yeah, all crammed into a day on June 3rd at the double tree uh, in downtown Canton. Um, yeah. I know myself, I am, uh, absolutely planning on attending. I'm very close in the area. So monster fest, June 3rd in Canton, Ohio, and the premiere of Bigfoot land of the missing the night before the historic Canton palace theater. So if you've never yes. been to the palace theater and you're from the area, highly recommend because it's a beautiful building they restored. And, um, mm -hmm. I assume we can put some 
links to tickets in our show notes. So that way, oh, yeah. if people are interested or around, they can check it out. Also, some Small Town and Monsters films and productions on these show notes mm -hmm. as well, because truly, you guys make some fantastic stuff. And, you know, even in this episode now, I've learned at least three new things. So I, I definitely appreciate the the insight. Same. I've been trying to like play it cool when you guys have been dropping names of cryptids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that before. I mean, I'm like keeping a list to Google later. Like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So the, literally the... Um, the friend that I was talking about earlier out of PA, that's a fellow researcher earlier today mentioned to me something called Octo Squash. And I'm like, you're kidding. That's not like what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's a story out of France of this little like furry octopus looking thing, I guess that was going across the road. This is one of those one-off. Yeah. Cryptids. Going across the road. And, um, uh, construction workers or something were coming in their truck. The light shined on it. He said it lifted up its little, <laughs> its furry little tentacles to like shield itself from the light. They stopped the truck and then they tried to beat it to death. Oh, okay. That took a turn. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> oh my. Uh, but okay. the, the point that it's, it's like a furry octopus that's walking across the road in France. Come on now. I love it. I mean, yeah, I'm wow. like, it's adorable. I'll pet yeah. it too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would have tried to pet it for sure. <laughs> oh. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> well, really, thank you for being on the show. Honestly, I've learned so much. Um, yes. Squonk, like that alone blows my mind. I never thought I'd have empathy uh, 100% for a cryptid, but I think Squonk, uh, I wish I was closer to Pennsylvania for Squonkapalooza because I would be in. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. But thank you really for being on the show. Absolutely. Um, anytime you want to come back and chat, Absolutely. this has been a blast for yeah. me. So incredible. We have an entire season to wrap up too. So we would love to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come back whenever. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. If you're up for an audio adventure, we will be exploring local lores and legends in the U.S. on season two of Not Your Average Bucket List, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So make sure to like, subscribe, and join us. Only in Your State is an award-winning travel publisher that uncovers hidden gems and local favorites across the U.S. We have a presence in all 50 states with a passionate following of fellow travelers looking to get out and explore. Head on over to onlyinyourstate.com to find the best attractions in your backyard and beyond.